y'all, this is John Quell Jones. This is Mike Strong with the Indianapolis Colts. Yo, it's your boy Buddy U. This is Jazz the Kid Chisholm. Faye Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. And you are logged into 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. 10th Year Seniors. You're logged in with 10th Year Seniors. Yeah. This is your boy John Nutt, three Olympic qualifier champions from Argentina, and you're logged in the 10th Year Seniors. Boy, it feels good. Boy, it feels good. You know what? I feel like we had to give John the proper time to come down off his emotional high. Really, the entire country was on an emotional high because this is you the think first. That's over? It's definitely not over, but I feel like the the euphoria we had for two days got second life. And I didn't plan to lead with this, but thank you to Nochioni and the rest of the Argentinians. They so mad. Like them being salty gave the story a uh, second pair of legs. Like, we got second life. So we can keep going with this. We got to just make sure to tell the Morden Salt Company to put his picture on the salt um, cans now. We don't need that little gal on it no more. So mad. So mad. And I'm not going to lie. The I knew we were going to get, like, some kind of backlash, but I expected that to be the anonymous people just online because the comment section anywhere in the internet is the most vile disgusting place in the world there is so i expected those people to be running on but when you have like one of the greatest basketball players in their country's history coming out just hours later after they lost and to just be salty and to whine and bitch and complain about the rules that that brought a special sense of satisfaction for us it really did here's my thing you know what if you if you feel that bad about it, say before the tournament. Don't wait till you get your ass kicked twice on that home turf by our team. That's what I'm saying. Just like don't wait. it hap it happened twice. If someone beats you once, then maybe you get beat twice at home. And like let's let's not pretend like y'all ain't been getting waxed all year because there's a reason y'all weren't in the World Cup either. So like this team just wasn't what y'all expected it to be. You know what? We just better than them. We just if better than them. Seven game series. If we was a seven game series, we win. Like they, this is almost literally the same exact team they had when we played um, in Argentina, Mar de Plata last year. We had Kai and we had Buddy. What people don't understand, and I've been saying it, and I'm always gonna say it, DeAndre is the difference. I know Eric won that game for us. But you see how scared he was going in the paint. These teams. I mean, 21 rebounds was huge. Just being a rim protector was huge. You know what? We have all that stuff we're going to get to. I want you to place us in the moment because you were there on the ground floor. Put us in that moment when we're trailing, we're trailing. This is before oh, Eric. The moment of when I hit the half-court shot first. We're going to get to all that. But we got <laughs> to start with the one that's fresh in people's minds. But the Bahamas is down. It's looking bleak. Me and Kari know that tensions are high because that's when you never talk in the group because you got to focus all your powers on what's going on there. But then Eric comes down and he hits that first three. Just place us there in the not, moment with the bench was with what was happening on the sidelines. As people know, like I do take my job seriously, but boy, little work was going on when I was I was sitting down on the court. I'm not gonna lie. When um when we were down, I just said. Not this again, right? Not this again. Like you're so used to it's so ingrained in our in, in my in my body that Bahamas will always do something, and the next thing you know, it's like, man, it looks like it's it's going downhill. But let me tell you something. Eric Gordon needs to be on the Walk of Fame. He needs to have a statue. He, he needs to have whatever it is because when he hit that and you know what the crazy thing is? I'm sitting at the court side. I didn't realize how far he was shooting it from. He was. I just thought they were threes from game one. He was shooting them from, <laughs> but yeah, no. But I mean, like I, I knew game one, but this game here, like when you're watching it, it's like I didn't realize how far he was. But anyways, he goes and he's just so nonchalant, like step back, bam, three. Um, that first one, and I said, okay, okay, Eric, let's go. The one that really like. It wasn't the dagger shot, the last shot. It was the one with Delfino when he completely flopped. Right. It was the, it was the I, second one because, okay, let me just set it up. So Eric Gordon hits the first three, puts the Bahamas ahead by one, but then Argentina comes down and they score again. I think it was Campazzo got the steal and they got the, they got the breakaway. He scored. So like right after we had that moment of, whew, Eric Gordon just saved the game, they go and they score right back. And then yep. Eric hits Eric hits the second one. And this is the one with the step back. This, yeah, this was so 
Eric, it's just crazy because we'll go in, in, into things in a little more detail of how just the trip was. But Eric, when, when that happened, they were on my side. I'm underneath the hoop. Like, if y'all really watch those highlights, I'm cheering underneath like, oh, shit. Like, this, this, this big time. Anyways, when he did it, I started, yeah, Mario was yelling because he's on court side right next to that play. Like, that's where Mario was sitting, right next to there, yelling at the ref. Everyone's like, flop, flop, flop. Thank God the ref called the flop. I didn't call a charge, you know? Ooh. That could have that could have gone both ways. Knowing Ooh. our luck with these, with these referees, when that happened, I said, ain't no way. Eric, for a split second, when he saw him on the ground, he said, oh, I got plenty of time. Took that step back, and when he hit that shot, that's when I sent the voice note in the group. Because you sent that that first one. Yeah, um, after the first three, the first yeah. Shot, and, then I, <laughs> and then I sent it on the second one, and I was just like, holy cow yo so holy cow we're ahead we're ahead this by two this is crazy i was following on uh, my phone i literally thought there was some kind of malfunction because you know like how it updates to play by play and it just says air gordon three point made air gordon three point made air gordon three point made i was like wait what hold on did he really just do that all of those times did he really just take over the game <laughs> and just gone berserk and just ended argentina and yes the answer is yes he, he did he did it because then, um, so what happened was, you know, we get the ball back on the rebound. We're still up by two. They, Travis had an open three. When he missed that, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, it's catch 22. I wish he made it because you just want all the points you can get. But when he missed it, I said, man, we should have wasted more time. I don't know if that was a good thing. But, hey, you got to shout out to the coaching staff because they put in a, a, a hell of a zone. That, that really confused Argentina. Argentina wasn't able to to do what they really wanted to do with DeAndre and the big. So they were able to get that rebound. And when Eric came down and hit hit that shot, I'm not even going to lie to you. He hits that shot over Rusino. I was just like, holy cow. It didn't sink in yet. It didn't sink in. I, and I was just like, that could be the shot, you know? That could be the one. But there's still 20 seconds left, and we know basketball is a funny sport. Mm-hmm. Um and I was just like, that could be the one. Let me tell you when it's sunk in. And this is where tears are coming down. Like, and they're not the Argentinian crocodile tears. These are the real ones. Yeah, of, the real, the of, real of ones. Years and years putting in. When they had that inbound play at the end, and they threw the ball into the back. And I said, you're not going to. I thought they were going to steal it. Like, when I saw it, I said, boy, in another life, this would have been bad. But when Buddy went to that free throw line. That was, that was Buddy, it for me. And I saw Buddy, and, you know, I was right there. I was right there next to, pretty much next to Buddy. No one at the free throw line. I said, boy, they couldn't have fouled someone better than Buddy to go to that free throw line. That's when it kicked in. Yeah. That's when I was just like, we won this game. Like, I know Eric won the game, but reality set it in like, whoa. So I, I packed up my whole bag. I don't know if you could see it on the, on the video if they had the wide shot. But I started packing my bags. And literally, I pulled out my phone because I was just like, "All right, this is this is the time. This is this is the moment, boy. I've been waiting for for a long time. I know this isn't the ultimate goal, but boy, it's it's step one." But before the buzzer, I have the video. I got to send it to y'all. But before the buzzer went off, I was on the court. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was nice. like when he shot the ball. There was like two seconds. I was like, "Fucking, I'm running on this court. I don't care," you know. And then um, I made a beeline to Moses. Because I was just like, the amount of stuff me and Moses has been yeah. through. Like, that's the first person I looked for. I gave Moses the biggest hug, and I was just like, Moses, we've been talking about this for eight years. Like, a moment like this. And it was just, it was crazy. Then I just got into everything. I wasn't checking. So, num- I, number one, was in- as a as a content creator, your mind automatically had to shift to like, yes, we, I have to be here. I have to be a part of this. And we will talk about what it means emotionally in a, in a second. But immediately you had to shift to content creation because you knew this moment is going to live on. I need to get this celebration because this is going to be everywhere. Well, yeah, well, I was, um, I was more worried about the locker room stuff. I'll be honest with you, the on the court stuff. If you really look at it, I had my phone out, but that video was so terrible. I didn't care. Like, yeah, I, I just I put my phone down and I said I'm gonna bask in the moment because you know, I've I've developed a good enough relationship with the FIBA people where I know that like let's just put it this way, Tommy looked out for me, the the head person of the media for FIBA Americas. He looked out for me because I told him and I said 
ain't gonna be in none. Of, I ain't doing no work on this court. <laughs> this, this, this is my time. This is my time. And he looked at me and he said, "I got you." So I gave him my camera. He got a couple of pictures, but then the FIBA photographers there were able to capture the moments. Um, and it, you know what? The one of the best parts was one of the best parts was after the um, after the game. Like you know, there was like a thousand pictures. But the official picture that FIBA used, yeah. I was standing in the back, and pretty much the whole team was like, nah, bro, you got to go in the front. So, you know, it was me, LG, and DA in the front, and I was just like, bro, don't care. It's been a moment just waiting. I guess people don't realize, like, no, like not, how much work has been put into this. Not much people do, and I feel like this is something that, that me and Kari talked about on the last pod that we did. I feel like every time we have an opportunity to talk about this, we have to do it because as this gains more and more popularity, as more and more people will come into the fold, they will come in not knowing all of the background work that it took to get here. And that's why I, I loved it when Mario said that in the interview with you that this was such a long time coming. I think people don't understand when they see that emotion out of y'all, they really don't understand why it is the way it is like you like you said the first person you look for was Moses yes this moment belongs to the players and people see the players out there doing it but the background work it took to get here even right up to the 11th hour is crazy right like people need to know that part right yeah no it's like like I said it it, it came to the opportunity where you know Facebook and your phone listens to you I was on my Facebook page and I just type in Bahamas basketball I know what the first post that popped up was developing story. Bahamas may withdraw from World <laughs> Cup qualifiers. That's the first thing that popped up January 17th, 2022. And that's when we threw out the Hail Mary post to be able to, to get the, some, the funding for this team to be able to get there. Like without that, we're not here. It changed everything. Like me and Moses, me and Moses and, and, and Crippy, Rodney Wilson, but we'll call him Crippy because that's what we call him. We went down to Dominican Republic with the three, four-man staff with, with um, Kempi, Avaro Kemp, like four people. Everyone, when we got to Argentina, they were just like, how come the staff is so big? You know why the staff's so big? Because you need a big staff to be able to get things done. Yeah. There were people doing specific roles to do, to, you know, we had video analysis, video coordinators. We had everything. Like, you got to understand, these people are professionals in the NBA, in college at the highest level, giving us every single advantage we can get, you know, individual film um, sessions with players. It's like they're, they're used to a certain style. Let's put it that way, these, the, these players. And they were given all the tools to be able to succeed when it came to game planning and everything. So it's like shout out to the whole staff, shout out to, to DeMarco for, being, for just believing because he could have left a long time ago. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like the, the, people got to understand, Demarco is invested in this program just as much as everyone else, or even more. I was, like I was, just, I was just about it. to say, like when we say investment, we mean real investment in every like, sense of the word. It's like, it's like he, he has done so much for the program, and people need to realize that that without him, we're we're not here where we are. Without LJ, we're not in this position of where we are. There's so much people who put work in behind the scenes that, you know, we don't get the glory. Let's just put it that way. Right. The glory isn't isn't going to come and say, oh, yeah, Chris DeMarco, this, LJ Rose, this, Moses Johnson, that. The glory is on the court when you're with the players, and they, and they know. The, the real ones know what it is and, and, and the work it is. But, I mean, just the, yo, <laughs> we, we beat Argentina twice in Argentina. I, I had to take refuge in Chile I right, after, um, <laughs> right after the game. Uh, or because you know it's crazy because when we beat Uruguay, I go on the bus and I said, you know, we have to win this game because we gotta do it for my people too, even though Chile didn't make it. But it's just like I, I know when when I know boy, it's tough to describe. Nocioni, yeah, when when Nocioni made that post, like that's the first thing I woke up to and I started laughing, and that's why I posted um, on my personal account, Argentina's most hated, right? And I feel like I'm one of the most hated because I got the Chilean and Bahamian blood in me. I've, we've broken their hearts in Copa America two times, and now I had this. It just meant so much more. It just meant so much more, I, I believe, to me because I have that rivalry on, on another side too, and just to do it on the basketball court, oh, that felt sweet. Ah, that oh, had, that felt sweet. That, that had to feel good. So 
going to the locker room. The locker room just was the locker room was a movie. Like I think I think coming the the energy coming off the court, we knew that was going to happen once the team got a chance to actually release everything that they were feeling in that moment. That's yeah, where you so, turn content creator. Yeah, that that's where because so someone else has a video. John John Buddy's masseuse was on the trip, right? So he got a video, and I got to find the video. I think it's on his Instagram. But like the players are walking in, right? And I remember I was walking in one of the last ones, or not one of the last, but and I hear the Junkanoo music. And I said, like, "Oh, I said no. This 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 is it. Like this is this is what we've been waiting for. This content because." You got to remember, we beat Argentina that first game. And we got in there, and there was there was happiness, little celebration type thing, and then that got shut down quick. Yeah. You know? Like, it was... Job ain't finished. Right, we won. We enjoyed exactly. And that was the message, job ain't finished. Because as great as that first win was, you lose on Sunday, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. So being able to to go in the locker room, see the play, and uh, see, and that's the thing. Like I get the the access to these players that people don't don't realize. People don't realize how um, how the locker room is and the demeanor and how serious they were. It's just like we got in there and said, "All right, the job is. We know you take one game at a time, but let's be real." We felt that we were going to be playing Argentina again after that. That access like, seems like something the, people should pay for, hey? Boy, it's a special type of access. We being able to to have the trust and, and everything of the players and the coaching staff. But that, that's a whole different topic. But trust me, it was something where we won the game. I was ecstatic. I mean, I don't know what history books are, but that has to be one of the most, in ranking-wise, lopsided not lopsided, but biggest differential from number has four to, to fifty-six. Yeah, it, yeah, has to be one four. of the like that's good. That has to go down in FIBA as one of the biggest upsets in the history of FIBA basketball. And don't get me wrong, and I'll tell the Bahamian people, I don't think it was an upset. I thought we had a better team the no, whole time. It, it's an upset based on the numerical FIBA Rank. rankings, but not based on who's it, on the court. Because <laughs> if you go on by oh, who's yeah, on no. the court, like we had the only. Uh, current NBA players in this tournament. Not the only NBA level talent, because obviously Compass is an NBA level talent, and there there are other guys. Delfino was in the league for over a decade. Like there's NBA level talent, but in terms of current players, everyone knew, and that's why once they saw what our roster was, we were ranked number one to win this thing, and it played out that way. Yeah, we were the favorites. You know, you always go to the the betting sites to see who the favorite was, and and we were handily the favor i think we covered every time but it's like it wasn't like it was a 20 point f i think we were like the first game was two and a half point favorites and the second game was like four and a half or something like that argentina but was still getting that time. that program and that home court respect i think that's why the lines oh, were course. what it was and let's be real that gym only held like two thousand people and it was loud like though shout out to the argentinian fans um nah john forget that. that hype to no, 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 giving us that hype to be able to to hurt them on their home court. Oh, okay, like, like okay, like that, they, yeah. They they lived and died for every basket. It's like, literally, them scoring a basket is like scoring a goal in soccer. They would cheer like they have won the game, right? And the players embraced it. Like, even DeAndre said, yo, this is like NBA environment, even though it's 2,000 people, you know? It's like, it's just, it was insane, but nothing is better than, like, I'll tell you my favorite part of the tournament, besides winning it. When DeAndre played that first game against Argentina, made a jumper and told the crowd to hush up. I saw that. I saw that. He started He started motioning with the with the finger to the lip. And yeah. I was like, all right, this is, an Aiton, this is an Aiton that people haven't really been seeing. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, I, I did. It's just crazy the amount of traction that, was, that got in this because the amount of of requests I had just on everything, it was just insane. Um, we did an interview with the ESPN Arizona radio people because, you know, everyone wants to know what's going on. And I'll tell them the same thing I, uh, that I'll tell you, the same thing I told them. The only is a leader. Like, he is an actual leader. He's just not given that opportunity in the NBA because we got to understand who's on his team. But 
between DeAndre and Buddy, they're leaders in the locker room, in practice, off the court, hold themselves accountable. Um, I think that it was the perfect blend. Uh, you had two alphas pretty much going, right? But Buddy would tell you straight up, DeAndre is the best player on this team. Yeah. And that's what you need. Uh, and and the passion that Buddy brings, um, the passion that Aiden brings, because people don't see that side of Aiden. People, like, they want to, Aiden would say something and they'll try to turn it into a negative, right? It's like, y'all need to calm down and realize that everything he says isn't a story. They, they want to twist his words, man, manipulate his words. However it is, but, and, but I'll tell you this. Yeah, but hold on. Before you before you go on with that, and this is I think this is one of the biggest questions heading into the tournament because if there's anyone that had the most to gain from this, we and we talked about this before, it's him. The whole the whole changing the narrative um line that he gave, the way last season ended with the Suns, the way people at home felt about the fact that he didn't play with the team in the World Cup qualifiers. We knew that he had the most social capital to gain from this, and this was a, such a big moment for him. And that's why his people reached out to y'all early about him coming on board and being a part of this. But what did you see from him? And like, give us more insight into those things that you talked about, like the things about him that people don't see and what, what really gives him these leadership qualities. Because he's still out there playing with two vets. But like you said, he's mm -hmm. the leader. Yeah, no... Um like everyone knew, this team goes as far as DeAndre takes us. And and the proof of that is he didn't have a great scoring game, but defensively and rebounding-wise, that was him. He had half the team's rebounds in that final. Like, you just don't win the game by scoring the baskets. Like, it helps, but at the same time, it's like he understood, like, hey, I got Eric, I got Buddy. They're double-teaming me. It's, it, you know, you got to let your other players win the game for you. And it's not a selfish, because he could have been selfish and got the ball on the block and done whatever he wanted to. But no, he's a 100% team player. He's going to do what's best for the team. Probably one of the smartest basketball players I've been around. In film session, everything, like, he knows he knows where it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to do, um, knows position one to five. He studies the game. And I don't think people people think of that, but he studies the game. Like he, it's just, it's insane how much he loves basketball, you know, like that's him. That's his, pa that's a passion he has, but just off the court, like one of the happiest people there. I think he realized that he was just with his people and you know, us Bahamians, we don't care who you are, how much money you make. We're going to talk to you bad. If we're playing dominoes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. You know? The but only time, like, the only place I feel like you couldn't talk to him in that aspect was on the basketball court because he's just that great. Yeah. Like, that great. I would call it now. He's going to make the All-Star game in this upcoming season. Um, He's going to be, I think he he has a chance to be an all-defensive team. Um, What else? Future Hall of Famer coming up. Um, all of the things we said no, from just, the very beginning, right? It's it, it's so funny. Things, it's so it's funny just, that you saying that uh, he's gonna be an all star this year. And watching the games, I think Kyrie was ready to put a futures bet on the Suns to win the championship because he's like, if this is the Aiden, <laughs> if this is the Aiden that they're getting, I need to put a couple hundred on the Suns to win. Like just just put it out there. Yeah, and and people gotta realize that he's option one on Team Bahamas, right? And he knows that, but. He, like I said, in the championship, he deferred to, to Buddy and Eric yeah. because he just knew. It was the he right basketball knew, play. Like, exactly. And people might be like, oh, man, he could have, you know, he only scored 10 points. They were double teaming the whole. They were, they pretty much said DeAndre is not going to beat us. Everyone jo else will. John, those people saying hey, that did not watch the game. Out, they didn't watch big, the game. Big shout out to Travis because everyone told me before the game, oh. Travis Munnings ain't doing that again. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got a whole, we got a whole, we got a whole Travis segment to go as soon as we get done with the big three because he's the next one we have to get to. So we we yeah, we so talk we talk hey, we talk Aiden like we talk Aiden, but buddy buddy the leader of, the leader of this team. I want to get some insight into what it was like for him just being able to defer because you've seen moments where buddy had to go out there and score 40 seeing moments where he had to be primary ball handler, primary scorer, do everything at the national team level. But he's always been. And if you, th 
he is definitely not selfish because he has always been the biggest voice in we need to get the best team possible. In every interview you did with him, he was talking about Aiton first before he talked about himself. What did this tournament look yep. like for Buddy? Man, like I said, Buddy just wants to win. And I was talking to, you know, he brought his trainers and everything down. And I was talking to LJ and I said, this is the biggest game for Buddy since the Final Four. Facts. Like, facts. It's behavior. Like, tournament-wise, yeah. whatever it is, this was the biggest game in his, in his career because even beating Argentina that first thing, the hostile crowd, like, it, it sucks that he hasn't played playoff basketball, but I feel like this is, this is, like, he's got that experience with this. He knows what to expect. Like, crunch time. This is do or die. Like, this ain't a seven-game uh, best-of-seven series where you're doing it, but... Buddy knew from the jump, having Eric, having DeAndre, that his job has gotten easier. Like, the only thing that this that that frustrates is Buddy's not a ball handler, but he wants to play point. You know, like it's like he we ran the offense. I feel a lot better when he was just coming off the the rolls and the pin downs, and you know, a whole bunch of stuff, the the flares to be able to get his shot up. But knowing that Buddy didn't have to average. 25 to 27 points a game for us was huge like you only got to get 20 we get we get three people with 20 the rest of the team will make up the the rest of the numbers but in practice it was always like him and uh da and buddy it's da and buddy da and buddy talking making sure everything is going to be going to be right but trust me i i but he's probably one of the happiest people out there too, knowing that this is an opportunity. Remember, he's a very um, active person on social media. People don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And Buddy has, you remember that post we made when we said, oh, we went to number 56 in the world or whatever it was. Right. And Buddy said with DeAndre, we're a top 10 team in the world. Now, being a top 10 team is going to be difficult because you got to win a lot of games. But we could beat teams in the top 10 with DeAndre, yeah. with Eric. With, like, with this team we have now, we, we definitely can. It's not, it's not, uh, yeah. I don't think that's a pipe dream because if you look at, see, the thing about it is, it's not just we have NBA players, it's the quality of NBA players that we have. Yep. Like this and is, this is not I just, this is play. not just, this is, like, ah, this is not just fringe players. You know what I'm talking about? Like these are legitimate rotation, rotation guys and even better than rotation guys at the highest level of basketball there is. I want to go to Eric for a second. So, he is dropped into the situation. Well, we know we personally have asked him this question. What was it like 2015, 2016, something like that? Seven so, years ago. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this has been a very long time coming, him being a part of this national team program, but still dropped into a situation where, you know, it's Buddy's team because Buddy's been the guy all along. Then you have DA, obviously. Eric Gordon comes in. And like you said, he is the. Like, you would never guess he is what he is by the way he carries himself because it's the kind of demeanor that's really... He's kind of, like, deferring to everyone else around him. He's not going to be the loud personality in any situation. But how did he just fit in with this team automatically? Because that's a lot. Even if you're an NBA guy coming into a situation like this, how did he just blend with everything involved? Because he's a Bahamian. And... <laughs> perfect like all that's, these, that's all the answer all these haters want to say something but no I'll tell you this with Eric Eric is a pro's pro like pro's pro he doesn't really talk a lot but when he talks you listen like it's that type of thing I, it, it practices you know Eric will go practicing and if you watch Eric practice you'll be like you mm, don't look too good because we, we'll go to LJ is he 100% and he's like don't worry about him don't worry about him. This is how he is. When game comes, the game comes. Because I mean, after the first game of Cuba, he was like, I was only going at like 50, 60%. Oh, when I'm going to go hard tomorrow against Argentina. When you messaged that to us in the group, <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We get yeah. an Indiana here going. Yeah. We so did. He was <laughs> we just did. like that. He was like that. And when we played Uruguay, the, the crazy thing with the Uruguay, and people need, like, there were minute restrictions that we, that that was put on, you know, like that was the plan the whole time. The plan was just to win it. Yeah, I mean, um, and not try not try to do too much. 
So if you look into the stats of that game, they ain't the best, but we won the game. The and, objective was completed. Oh, that's what everyone was pointing to with the eight and stats. And I'm like, did you all realize it was a blowout? And then they also have to play a very important back to back. Like, I understand you got to win the Uruguay game, but nobody cares about how the numbers look in this. The big game is having to win Sunday against no. Argentina. And he sat the whole fourth quarter. And shout out to Chile for giving uh, Argentina a real battle because those players played heavy minutes. They had Compasso to, yeah. Compasso played like 35, 36 minutes. They had to play. And, and we knew that, like, th th these players were all prepared to play 40 minutes. Let's just put it that way. They were prepared. They knew it's like 40 minutes. All right. If we have to go 40, we have to go 40. But I'm telling you, like, Eric against Uruguay, same thing. He's like, yo, when we won, he's like, just watch me tomorrow. Just watch me tomorrow. I'm going to make sure. And, you know, there, there are things that, that are said. And one of the things is Eric said to the, to the staff is, I didn't come all this way to lose. We're going to make sure we qualify for this thing. And that's what you want to hear from the players, you know? Goosebumps. Like, you want, and like I said, that's the access that, that you have. But he is invested 100%. 100%. He wished he could have been playing for Bahamas years ago. Um, but it was just, uh, you know. Timing, man. Hey, look, this, is the, this yeah. is the right time. Like, it's perfect timing. It couldn't get any better than what it is right now. Because when we were asking that question, I think Buddy was still in Oklahoma, wasn't he? Aiton wasn't here yeah. yet. Like, this is, this is perfect timing. Everything is lining up the exact way it should be. So that's the big three. And me and you said, even before this, we knew exactly what we were going to get from them. But the important thing was, how was the rest of the roster going to be fleshed out? And I, I put this in the article that I'm working on now. And one of the top 10 things that you've got to take away from this is Travis Munnings deserves the shot. Like coming out of... Oh. Coming out of ULM, you know, he had the pre-draft workout with several teams. That was the flirtation with the G League. And he's been establishing himself in Europe, had good years in Portugal, now in France, and now going to the high, the top level in France, I think. And that news broke. I think when they were in training camp, I started to see it being shared. Yeah. And I, it's I almost think it's as pro if... B, so it's... Oh, it's still Pro-B? Oh, I thought that was a GP yeah, team. Yeah, still Pro-B. Okay. So... No, no, no. I, I believe it's Pro-B still, but it's but a Travis, team. Travis, Travis has been... He was incredible in that tournament. And even DeAndre said this in the post game. In that championship game, he gave props to Travis saying that was the quarterback of our defense. That was the person communicating and orchestrating everything. This is on the court with three NBA guys, but he was giving props saying Travis was the one. Offensively, he had nearly a perfect game. <laughs> All he had was a missed free throw. <laughs> a missed yeah. free throw, that was it. Perfect from the field. And then he came back and did it again in the championship. But Travis, just a great tourney from him. Yeah, so, you know, I've... Every trip Travis has been on, I've been on as well, pretty much. Like, I don't think I've missed a trip, maybe one trip with him when we had to, to work or Bahama hoops. But um, here's the thing with Travis. We all had high hopes with Travis coming out of college, national team, he, defensive specialist, size, everything, right? We always had the, had the high hopes. The problem was we had to play him out of position. And that's what people don't realize. So his national team numbers... Don't really tell what type of player he is. He is, first, he's a defensive stopper. He's, you know, 3 and D type player. Like, and then offensively, if he has an open shot, he's going to hit it. But we were forcing him at points to play shooting guard, to play point guard. That's not his natural position. His natural position is to, you know, play off the ball on offense and then get those open shots and drive to the basket, you know, because he's, his motor's on 3,000%. Like, He's always moving. He's always talking. So to hit, for him to finally have an opportunity to play with the elite talent in the NBA just shows, like I said, he needs to shot. He needs to be able to go and say, hey, um, someone's got to give me a shot in a, in a training camp. Someone's got to give me a shot somewhere uh, just to be able to have a chance to show I could play at this level. And let's remember, he did it against Argentina twice. Twice. It's not like he did it against... It's not like we're playing Cuba 10 times and you put up these numbers. He did this against Argentina twice. In the in big, Argentina. In the, biggest, in the biggest moments, and that was so impressive to me. Another person that I felt like needed to get a lot from this moment 
because for for us it was always the point guard position that we needed to to you know really solidify and i think coming off the bench if you talk about the impact that travis had i think coming off the bench you got to give props to the way franco played with even with the first and second units really because he had a great tournament as well oh yeah no franco is is the type of player and I don't know why he's not given the opportunity in college, but when his number's called, he's ready to play. And you can see he's still a young player. There were points and times where, you know, you could see nerves were kicking. It looked like nerves. He's going to deny it 100%. But, you know, you could just see he was a little off. But for some reason, when it counts, when it really counts, he's locked in and he could play. And I think that that goes with the the relationship he has with Buddy and the accountability. It's almost like the the Kino and, and Nato relationship. Like, Nato without Kino might go wild. Where Franco without Buddy might might play a little off, you know? But it's just the accountability. Because, you know, him and uh, Franco and, and Buddy were going to the gym two hours before, or like an hour before we left the, the hotel to get shots up and to work out. So they're working. Like, Buddy is telling them he's got to work better. It's like, if you want to get to a certain level, you got to put that work in. So... To me, Franco coming off the bench was that just helps the bench with scoring because we'll be real. And I told us to Tum Tum, I'm like, you're not really scoring the basketball, right? And you he knows the I, offense, but he knows. But, but yeah, like, but you're not, you're not, you're not going to be that threat of of um of scoring the ball. Where Franco coming off the bench is a threat to to get to the basket and score the 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 rock. So it's like Franco was huge, and I've always been a believer in Franco since day one. Um. A it's, lot of people had their doubts with him. It's the reason we went to Freeport just to watch him sign. Like we felt like yeah. we had to cover that because he was such an important part of of this next generation. And the um, he's in the next generation. But you mentioned Tum Tum, and I wanna I wanna speak briefly about what his impact on this team was because I know with point guards people always use the whole coach on the floor kind of thing, but he literally is a coach on the floor. And he knew what his role was. Like you said, he's not coming there to score. But those first two games, Tom had seven assists in each one. And I think he was important just for orchestrating what the offense was going to be and just giving you that other ball handler so it doesn't have to be in Buddy's hands. What was his impact on this team? She's just a vocal leader. Like, he wears his his emotions on his sleeve, right? Like, Tom is a coach now. That people got to realize that he's an actual coach. I feel like he and always was. He got, no, no, no. But he's an actual coach now. Like he at, uh, at Bowling Green. But so when he got um hurt in that game against um Uruguay, when we got back to the hotel, we're eating dinner, and his mom calls him and it's like, "Oh, are you gonna play that?" And he goes, "Mom, I don't need to arm the coach, right? Like, like I don't need my shoulder, my arm, the coach. If I could play, I'm gonna play." So, you know, people hear that, and, and, and that's, that's a big boost because people are just like, he's going to play. He knows he's going to play. He's, he said, whatever it is, I'm going to give it a shot. And, and that's the big thing. People know the passion he has when he's, on, when he's just on that court. So coming on and off the court, he's also a leader. But like you said, he knows the plays. He knows what to do. He knows what to ask the coaches. He knows how to tell the players to get into position. It's like, that's, that's the floor general um that we needed and people are will always ask is like how come he's not playing pro ball you know different people got different paths but mm-hmm. tom did say if he could play for national team and he could keep playing for a couple of years even while he's coaching he said that's all he cares about playing for bahamas yeah and that's it i mean and that, those are the type of players you need to believe in the program his path was always going to be toward this. I think Tom Izzo was staring him toward this since he was a freshman, maybe a sophomore. He would always be saying, and that's kind of how his name got to what it is at Michigan State because Izzo was always caping, saying, this is a guy that you... He won, like, every leadership award that they had to win. So this was always what his path was going to be, and he is fulfilling that right now. I think there's something that we need to address from, from this tournament And the big thing that we need to address is what is next? Because people are always, people are always confused by that. Oh, you know what? I'm moving on too quick. I forgot about the OGs. We talked about nearly everyone on this roster, but we forgot about the OGs. And I think they always need to be spotlighted. They always need to be highlighted because the veterans of this national team program, 
that have been through so much, that have been through the downtime periods before everyone was paying attention. You had Kino was playing for the national team from 2007, literally played alongside Franco's dad <laughs> and now playing with Franco. You had Ken Tuan, who's still giving you very valuable minutes, been playing for this program at the senior level since 2012. David, since 2015. I, for me, it was fulfilling to see those three guys in particular get to experience this moment. It, yeah, so we all know as you get older, it's less and less that you play, but you know, you're still valuable. Kino played minutes, Cantuan David didn't play as much minutes as he's used to playing. But they they know the assignment. They understood the assignment. The assignment was we're gonna come out here, whatever we get, we get, and there's no complaining. It's team players like I'll tell you one thing. After the Argentina game, I've never seen David so happy in my life. He played there, right? When I mean, uh, yeah, he played in Argentina. He played right. for Boca Juniors right, in right, Buenos right. Aires. But yeah. he was so happy. And he was like, all he would say is, I don't think y'all understand what we just did. Like, that was his biggest take of it. Like, we just came from... um beating Argentina on their home floor. Like, he's like, that does not happen. Like, we could go back and look in the history of Argentina playing at home, and Dominican Republic beat them last time, and we beat them two times. But if you look back, I don't think there's that many teams that beat them on their home floor. Like, regardless of, of the situation, regardless of the window, like, these teams just play differently. But, man, David, like, he came and he was just like, the same thing you say, OG. He's like, a lot of people don't understand where this federation came from, of when they were going on trips, when they're realizing, do we have our plane ticket to come yet? Like, what's going on, you know? Like, some people don't realize the struggles that, that, that these players went through just to be able to have that experience. And um, Kino's the same way. Kino knows what it is. But the biggest thing with David and Kino is when we have these windows coming up for, like, America, they know that they'll play a bigger role for that yeah and, like, I, and i mean like like you said they are both team players they understand they understand what it is and the more obviously the more nba guys you add the more talent that you add there is going to be a sacrifice with that on the back end so all the, of the players do have to you know buy into the team concept and if you're not going to buy into the team concept then obviously <laughs> it's not going to be a win for everyone involved but these are guys because they have been so emotionally invested in this program that it's almost as if it's no issue for them moving forward with that because that's what winning basketball is. Winning basketball is sweet. <laughs> winning basketball is so sweet. All right, let's let's talk about moving forward because no matter how many times we type it, no matter how much times it's put out there, even though pre-qualifier is in the name, People don't get it. I still had a whole lot of people asking what's next. It's still people thinking that we are in the Olympics already. Guys, if we are stressed out now, be prepared to be stressed out over the course of the next year because I don't know if my anxiety is ready for this. We still have a big-time qualifying tournament to go in July, and that is the one. Look, if, we, if this was an Olympic qualifying tournament, then we would have still been on the floor dancing. Let's just put it that way. Like, we wasn't going to leave that. We was going to terrorize Argentina off the court. Let's, uh, uh, boy, that would have been way more celebration. Oh, but yeah, for sure. This is, this is, this is the, just the first step. And the biggest thing with this first step is to show we belong. Like, that's always the first thing, because I, I heard the commentator at the end of the game was saying what used to be the doormat or whatever, the punching bag of the Americas, I mean, I don't know if he was a punching we, bag. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Were we, were we really the punching bag of the Americas? I mean, come on now. Like, we wasn't that bad. I mean, when we go, no, when we would I mean, go we up get, against, like, USA and shit, yeah, I get that. But we was yeah. in, like, the doormats. We get punched a couple times, but, I mean, you know, we always put up a good fight. But anyways, um, yeah, so this is the first step. And what's so important about this step is only six teams get these wild cards card spots correct and we're one of them yeah like that only is exclusive teams get this that is exclusive company yeah. like do you you, you in know, the next round Wikipedia right now yeah and and look up this tournament and they say we the champions go look it up on wikipedia because boy i've been all over the internet and i'm like boy that looks nice of course you could go <laughs> check like it we you, on a, you could you could go see the six wild card teams and the the remaining teams will be 
it's based on whatever happens at the World Cup. And which was me and you said, we got to watch this World Cup so intently, even though we ain't playing, because I don't care who wins this. What matters for us is how how uh, this tournament is going to be shaken out in terms of the standings and who we are going to play in July for a chance at the Olympics. That's the one, like yeah, I said, so I don't even know if I'm ready for it. It's, it's four pods of six teams. And what they do is they each pod has two groups of three, right? So the top two from each go into the semifinals and then finals. So it all depends on on the draw you get. But if you look at the teams who are still in the World Cup, right? If you look at the teams who have gone up, the Bahamas has a real shot. Like we have a shot. We have to. We have to come. Uh, you pretty much got to win a game in the group, and you're moving on to the semifinal, and you're going going from there. Like we just got to see what teams we have to play. Even because of six teams per pool, the odds of us catching the USA and Canada are slim. Um, even if they don't make it, because they don't want to put the Americas regions too, together with yeah. too much thing. Too too yeah. Like Europe is a little different um, because there's so many European teams that there might be pods. So you got Africa, you got Asia, you got Europe, you got the Americas. So that's four. And then they'll throw two spots in for each team. Like you know, it's it's just a random draw. And that's what the crazy thing is. This is a random draw now. Yes. It's not like. So we have no um, idea what we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, what we're we facing in Giannis, July. We might play Jokic. We might play Luca. We might, you know, it's like those are the teams that we potentially could play. I love that you call those, those names. I love the the fact that you call those names just now because I also feel like everyone needs to realize from this point forward there is no chalk. Like you are literally you. We have to grasp how exclusive it is to even get into the Olympics. It's twelve teams. 12 teams in mm-hmm. the whole world that make it. Think about how big basketball is. And to have a spot in this tournament, you have to be one of the 12 best teams in the world. That is a crazy thing to get to. That is a crazy thing to reach because obviously, Bahamian team sports, we've never had that happen. Never had that happen. We've never no. been like this. And we're, we're in the last 24 in the world. The world. Like... I think 24, Buddy wore 24, even though Buddy's changing his number, number seven in the NBA this year. Um, that's going to be official pretty soon. So if you listen to this podcast, you hear some breaking news of Buddy's buddy, uh, number change. Breaking news? <laughs> um, yeah, so not as breaking as Eric Gordon stuff, but trust me, being one of the <laughs> last 24 teams to be able to have a spot is big time. Like, And I, we're not coming to this next tournament to just compete. We're coming to win. Like, we're, we're trying to make that push to be able to... I'm telling you, we make the Olympics Do you think that, first class. Do you think this was... Um, so, for me, what I equated it to, and I thought for basketball, this was their 1992 moment. And what I mean by that is, in 92, after Frank Rutherford won the bronze um, in the triple jump, it changed everything for Bahamian track and field. Everything after that, it was expected to have a certain level of excellence. And every Olympics after that, we medaled. And people thought this was just was supposed to happen because that was the moment that broke the seal. Do you think like this moment will make people look at Bahamas basketball differently to the point where... That excellence is going to be expected because we have this talent level. And so now everything moving on from here is supposed to be rising to higher heights. Well, let's put it this way. We've always spoken about it. Sports unites the country regardless of how you think of it. This is the first time I can remember in a long time that different political groups are all posting about the happiness of this. Like, it's great and all, but yeah, I think that this is this this is where the shift comes. This is where it is where the Bahamas could become a powerhouse in the America regions. I mean, look at what FIBA's been writing about the Bahamas for for the last couple of weeks. Are the Bahamas the new sleeping giant of the Americas? Um, Bahamas Big Three with Eric Gordon. Like, this is this is stuff we've never had before. We've been in the news cycle for the last month. You're welcome, Bahamas. Yeah. But we've been in the news cycle for the last month. L- leading the news cycle. Worldwide. This is worldwide. Um like Argentina, the newspapers were salty. I was great. I was reading everything. Oh, please I was buy. reading all the comments. I hope you bought some of those just as keepsakes. Huh? No, I didn't buy them, but it's it. like um 
Yeah, no, the whole thing is, is we've been dominating a news cycle in bat. Like, this is just a summer qualifying tournament. And the amount of, like, all of Arizona was watching this. They had two Phoenix Suns on this team. All of Arizona was watching this. I was listening to the, the, the podcast from the local people, and they're like, if you would have told me uh, two years ago I would be caring about Bahamas basketball, I'll be telling you, lying to me. Like, Bahamas basketball, we're going to get to the point where we're going to become, like, the Jamaica of soccer. Like, no one's not going to like us. It's going to be the cool Well, factor. Argentina it's, will. We, Argentina's not going to like us. You think I care about Argentina? No. They, no. <laughs> Bahamians can't even go there without visas, so, I mean, what good is that? That's right. Talk, <laughs> talk, talk our shit. We need to talk all of our shit. So, a big... I, I feel like, like, the... Bahamian uh, government should like implement right now that Argentinians need to go pay for visas. I agree. To get into the bombers. I agree. If it's beef, like then right it's now. beef. Beef. Let the beef go all the way up. So the big thing about yeah. establishing a winning culture is people always want to get on board. There was times when there was times when the basketball federation struggled for money to go on a trip, but now you have people chilling out tens of thousands of dollars to get broadcast rights at the last second so obviously the money is there people want to get on board and players will want to get on board and mario was the one that gave voice to this in the interview with you where he was like there's so much more to come but i think winning is so important because that next generation of players like the ones in college right now sammy hunters frederick kings vj edge come on the way that next generation of players Playing for the national team is going to be so valuable to them and it's going to be so important because they see this happening. So, like, your comparison to saying Jamaica soccer, like, it becoming the cool thing that people want to do. One, it creates competition because there's not going to be... For everyone, you're not going to just be able to walk into the national team because there's going to be a lot of talent to compete for the spots. And I think that makes the whole program better. Oh, for sure. And... You see, here's my now let me put on my executive hat just based on on thing. Here's my gripe when it comes to like corporate Bahamas and Bahamas on the whole. Why y'all waiting till we have this? So stupid to get on board. So stupid. I hate them like, so much. It's so dumb. Like you I, I get this is a big deal, and we're not gonna take it away from from the accomplishment or anything, but hey, there are times when things are needed more than this time. Yeah, we, all of the wanna, times that it took to get change, here. If we want to change the narrative, the narrative is this. Why don't you all, whatever TV company it is, I, I don't care which one it is, talk to the Federation and say, hey, what can we do to broadcast all national team games? Because that's where the awareness is going to come out. The awareness is going to come out where people get the access to watch the stuff. And, and you can make a deal. And it, trust me, you get a way better deal than just a one-off tournament. Because all of a sudden you're you're committing for the next three four years, of of Bahamas basketball, and that's how it is. You got to get cycles of two to three year commitments for this. Let's televise these things. Let's make sure that the the, the Travis Moneys and the Cantuan Smiths and the Dominic Bridgewaters get their shine when they're playing. This the, like man, this is Team Bahamas. It ain't always Buddy Aiden and and Eric. And you got to give a shout out to the players who played in these qualifiers who won these games to get us into this position. If we're not in, if we don't have those players, we're not in this position. So it's something where, Hey, y'all want to broadcast these things. Let's try to get someone where we broadcast every single game. There's but six games in America. So it's not like it's going to be astronomical with a price tag for that. But at the same time, it's going to be very beneficial because all the eyeballs are going to be on that. But that's the thing, though. We can't just be hype beasts and just be caught up in the moment because at the last second, you see that everyone's watching in this moment and you see the traction that things are getting on social media. We There have been times that we have literally reached out to people saying, hey, this kind of thing is coming. This is on the way. And nobody actually has the foresight to move on these things until you're in the moment. Well, in the moment, it's too late. At some point, we have to, we have to plan ahead. Here's the crazy thing with, with that. So I'll never forget 2016, Buddy was getting drafted. And this is this is where the vision comes in. Everyone wants to go to the NBA draft. Everyone knew Buddy's a lottery pick. But guess what? We have DeAndre Aiden playing for the national team in Panama. How many people went there for that? 10 YS. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, um, 
it's a moment of uh, that was a moment where we knew the thing basketball is going to be special. Like that was my first trip, and I've been working with doing stuff with the federation since because you could tell this is going to be special. Yeah, this isn't a one year quick fix thing. This this is business 2016. Like, and I'll tell people that the, the, that celebration is years and years and years of work. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Everyone everyone just wants to to do something, and all of a sudden, oh, it's successful. I'll jump on when it's successful. It ain't the same. It ain't gonna be the same feeling when you know you're in the gutter and you know you got to work hard, and it just changes everything. But look, people got to understand that when summer comes around, yes, we're gonna have the big players, but let's support our players that get us to this position. Let's support the ones who put in that work and and treat them as equals when it comes to basketball players because they know their roles and they get it and they understand it and they accept it to be able to to help the Bahamas get to the next level. I need to talk about the coaches before we wrap this up because for as much as we look at what Bahamas basketball is coming on the horizon on the horizon with the players, I think the level of coaching that we have is something that we also need to be very optimistic about the last training camp in the last world cup window of course you had coach yo and that was her first time with the senior men's team but on this team in addition to moses who always holds down the fort locally who needs to get all of his flowers for what he does with that but mikhail mclean being a part of this 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 staff also very important and one of the young rising coaches we have many but it feels like he's the one so closely connected to the program and he's rising up the ranks pretty fast. Oh yeah. So you got Mikhail and, and we got to understand where these coaches come from. Like Mikhail was a development coach at Houston, get got his shot as an assistant coach and he knows how important this is. Like we got to be real. Mikhail loves the Bahamas and he's always going to love it. But at the same, same time, he takes it so seriously because he knows that this is a this is a, a a point where this helps him in his career. Of course, like that's that's one of the biggest things that that you look for when you come to getting these people on the staff. They know the importance of what it is, and it'll help them in their career in the long run. Like, there's not a lot of national teams that can say, "Hey, we got three, four NBA players. You know, you wanna you wanna come." And and people gotta realize, Demarco has a tough job um, when it comes to this because. You got three, four NBA players. They're not trying to run a, a, a gimmicky offense. They don't know. They, I mean, I know uh, they always say you got to change the FIBA system, right? Yeah, you can change eh. the FIBA system for 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 some for some things, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the terminology, the plays, what 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 the comfort is of the players, you need a coach at that level. Like, like I said, I love Moses to death, but Moses isn't the coach for the team. Because it's just a different level of players. Yeah. Like, I mean, Moses, you have to have... Moses knows the FIBA rules the best. Yeah. And he's great to have on the staff for the management and, and, and all of that. But these players are going to want to play for someone that they know is, is at their level. An NBA coach. And it, it, it kind of harkens back to what you said about just having a specific standard for everything. The amount of people on staff. Just because, and we always said, when Bahamas basketball becomes big business... That's a part of what comes along with it. You have all of that stuff, but you also have to have someone at the helm that has that kind of pedigree. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was really that was really a huge momentum shifter too for DeMarco to fully get the reins of the program and to be able to imprint on the program his style, what he wants to do. But for all of that terminology and for all of that, <laughs> for all of the system talk and all that, we got to end where we started. Sometimes you just need the guy to be the guy. And that's what Eric Gordon did. Yeah. And on those last three possessions, <laughs> none of that other stuff mattered. It was just one-on-one, I'm about to be the guy. And he was the guy. Like I said, he put, he put the ball. Like, to me, so memories that I, there's a lot of memories I take from this tournament. But one of the, the biggest ones was when Eric scored his first basket against Cuba, and it was the first points for, for the Bombers in that game, right? And I said, I would have loved if DeAndre made it, but I feel like it, it was just poetic how it was Eric because we knew what, what, what it was to, to get the releases and everything. 
we just knew uh, like I, I it just felt different to me. that basket felt just that was a different bat i feel like i scored that basket you know like <laughs> but you you <laughs> did score like, one very important one yeah it was so it was just like yeah no um and, and i think it's just it's just like it's poetic it, it, it you that's the thing about sports. You can't write these books. If you would have writ written this book and said Eric Gordon was going to come down and get three three-pointers in the last two minutes to win the game. Crazy. You're going to say, that ain't going to happen. No, crazy. You know? Like, uh, are we living in the Matrix or something? Because I don't know, but whoever wrote the story, man, that was a good story. That was a good script. That that's way. a good that's script. <laughs> I love that script. That, that's a script. Now we just, we just got to see, um, I mean, population 400,000 compared to population 40 million. Like, that's the Argentina-Bahamas uh, population. Like, I'm just hoping now that we could put it in the universe that, you know, maybe a Netflix or something might want to jump on board this this whole thing, you know? Hey. And say, hey, let's let's go back in, in a, into a deep dive of Bahamas basketball and how they got here. Who cares about population size? You know the only numbers that matter? Two wins? Four and oh. Zero losses. That's what matters. Right. It's great.